A new theatrical production is based on the true stories of St. Louis area refugees, and it tells them using a medium that may surprise you, as we learned on St. Louis on the Air. I feel that we can say things through puppetry that we can't really say as people, or it won't be as accepted if it's said by a person versus a puppet. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. We really wanted to get a 360-degree perspective, so not only did we interview refugees from Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, Bosnia, and the Democratic Republic of Congo, we also interviewed um, ELL teachers, physicians, caseworkers, employers, and then neighbors of refugees. We Came as Refugees, an American Story, explores the experiences of people who found themselves in the U.S. after fleeing war, natural disaster, or political persecution. Like many plays being mounted in this pandemic, We Came as Refugees will be live-streamed. The project is a joint effort by the School of Social Work and the Department of Communication and Media Studies at the University of Missouri-St. Louis, the St. Louis Storytelling Festival, and the University of Missouri Extension. And joining us today with a preview is Falia Davenport. She's an associate professor in communication and media at the University of Missouri-St. Louis, and she's also the project coordinator for this play. Falia, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So, Falia, what was the impetus for this project? Um, so it began by um, Dr. Segal and I talking about writing a grant for a project dealing with refugees and to educate people um, about refugees, immigrants, and dreamers so that we could have a better understanding um, of what was going on in our world, especially around us um, in St. Louis. So you wanted to particularly um, look at refugees who'd settled here? Correct. Okay. And when so she dealt with more so the research component and then I was going to work more on the storytelling component and I had spoken to her originally about like let's do puppets I feel that we can say things through puppetry that we can't really say as people or it won't be as accepted if it's said by a person versus a puppet Hmm. what do you think gives puppets that that sort of power I think it's the fact that, in a way, you know, it's an inanimate object. Uh, we uh, we don't really see them as, you know, having that human quality, though they can have that quality, depending upon how they're sculpted or acted through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this was shown, you know, primarily, especially look at Broadway doing Avenue Q. Mm-hmm. So much stuff was said and accepted through what a puppet was saying versus what a person was saying. It almost allows you to move past the individual and, and take it into the realm of a type, like almost the way a myth works or a tall tale. Is that a good thing when it comes to something like a refugee story? I think it does. I think it opens um, it opens it up for people to accept and understand and receive the information Hmm. I think that's the difference sometimes we have that problem of actually like receiving the information and they'll be able to to see what they do and what they what they know already and what they don't know it's interesting that you landed on um, puppets so quickly as you were conceiving this Is, is this something where you had worked with puppets before so I have done hand puppets and then I have created puppets before that people the actor actually lives inside of and maneuvers I have a fascination with puppetry mm-hmm. in general because I love how stories are told through them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a daughter, and so she loves that idea. And so I was just trying to think not just of the public, but even in like the middle school and high school world, how 
students would accept this information? Hmm. Well, in addition to Falia Davenport, who is the project coordinator for this play we're talking about today, we're also joined by two other guests who helped her in making it a reality. And the first is Daniel Romano. He's a puppeteer, a storyteller, and he is the play's director. So, Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. And we're also joined today by Ramona Marshall. She's a research assistant with the Refugee Integration Project. Uh, Ramona, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So, Ramona, I understand part of your job was interviewing actual refugees who are here in the St. Louis area. How did you connect with these refugees for this project? So Stacy Brown and I, we were the two research assistants on this program and we were from this project. We were both UMSL alumni. And so we had both worked with immigrant and refugee communities in and around St. Louis for many years. And so we were fortunate in that we had worked with places like the International Institute and Immigrant and Refugee Women's Program. We really used all of the, the resources that we had at our disposal and our connections to connect with refugees and the key stakeholders that we interviewed. So we have a really great, vast uh, array of, of refugee and immigrant service provider networks in this community, which really helped recruit people for the project. So they were helping both to, um, to help you find the refugees that you wanted to interview, but then also helping you sort of fill in some of the details on their accounts? So we interviewed the refugees directly, and then we really wanted to get a 360-degree perspective. So not only did we interview refugees from Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, Bosnia, and the Democratic Republic of Congo, we also interviewed um, ELL teachers, physicians, caseworkers, employers, and then neighbors of refugees who uh, I, you know, work closely with them in the communities. And so that was how we sort of wanted to get the 360-degree perspective. So a 360-degree perspective, and it sounds like a lot of stories. I can't even imagine how big these files must have been as, as you're gathering yes. all these stories from all these people. How does that even begun, begin to become then a play? Daniel, you're the main storyteller slash writer of this project. Um, did you get then this, this information from Ramona and the other researcher in just one giant pile, or how did this all sort out pretty much and uh, you know originally we were supposed to do this in the spring before the pandemic mm. hit so it was a lot but i just spent time looking at um recorded interviews and going over transcribed interviews and um yeah and then taking that and incorporating it into the script Falia, did you have a, an instruction for daniel of how you wanted to see this shape up or did you let him take it where he wanted it to go um, we actually met with Daniel and we pulled out specific themes mm -hmm. that were throughout each person's story so that we wanted to make sure that those were highlighted. Tell uh, us about those the themes. Piece. And then he actually, um, I think it was five different revisions. So as he wrote each script, mm -hmm. he would send it out to all of us to read and get our feedback and what we felt worked or didn't work or if we felt something was missing. Okay. And Daniel, what were those five big themes uh, that you were trying to deal with? Well, here? I don't want to give away too much, but I okay. can give you a little clue. And one is is that um, one thing that we, you know, the stress, financial stresses can really be hard on marriages. Hmm. And uh, unfortunately, um, this leads to not only um, broken, you know, divorces, uh, but sometimes, um, you know, there is, um, you know, uh, violence uh, between um, 
refugees, hmm. uh, families, marriages. And, and and you know, we had a really, I really had a, that's why there were so many revisions. How do we present that without making one character look really bad and, and awful? Yeah, for Leo, that feels very tough. I mean, you want to be um, true to these stories and, and the real life that people lived, but you also don't want to demonize people who are already, frankly, demonized by a whole lot of Americans. Exactly. And the biggest thing we wanted to be able to show to people is what they actually go through. And like you like you said, they're already in a way demonized um, by people because of the lack of knowledge, really. Um, and th- one of the big reasons why we had spoken about this being something that middle school and high schoolers could see as well was because like, how, how do you learn in the K through 12 educational system about refugees? Yeah, that's a good question. Is that I know that wasn't really covered back in the day when I was in school. Are they getting the grounding in how this whole process works? No. And so this is a way to bring this into schools as well and to invite schools to and students to to view this so that they can have this understanding. You know, the only reason I had an understanding of it is when I moved to St. Louis, um, I became friends with different refugees and I asked them questions. Mm-hmm. Ramona, you were there doing these interviews with these refugees. Was it hard to get them to open up about some of these darker um, things that, that Daniel mentioned? Absolutely. Yeah, that was definitely something that Stacy, the other research assistant, and I discussed. And because this wasn't a long-term project where you would have several interviews with the same participant and kind of try and establish that relationship, we really only had time to do one one-on-one interview with each participant. And then we did do one focus group of neighbors. But we tried to make them as comfortable as possible because right, they are sharing some um, very difficult information, things that can be very traumatic, things that were very difficult difficult for them. And so we hope that we made people as comfortable as possible to share their real experiences and how they felt while they were resettling here. And were they told, did you have to explain to them, yeah, this is going to be for a theatrical production, but this is going to be a production with puppets. I imagine that might be something that, um, you know, people associate with kids or or with the Muppets, things like this. Did that cause any of them wondering whether their life was being turned into a comedy? Right. I, no one said specifically that it was a comedy, but it definitely when you would say, well, we're turning this into a production and they would say, oh, like with actors, I said, well, yes, uh, but we will be using puppets. And you sort of get that pause like, oh, really? Puppets. And then <laughs> we tried to explain a little bit about why, as Felia already um, so well put it, about why we chose to use puppets for this production. But I don't I didn't get the impression that anybody thought that we would turn these stories into some kind of like a comedy because they certainly aren't, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't think we'd had that intention at all. We're talking today about the new theatrical production, We Came as Refugees, an American Story. It's being produced uh, by the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Felia Davenport, who's an associate professor there, has really taken the lead on this. And our other two guests today are Daniel Romano, who's a puppeteer, a storyteller, and the play's director. We're also joined by Ramona Marshall, a research assistant with the Refugee Integration Project, who helped interview a a large number of refugees for this. Ramona, how many people did you and, and your fellow researcher end up talking to then? So I think the goal at first was 50 participants, 
But then we were still trying to recruit people for the last few interviews around February. And then mm. we had COVID. And so we decided to to go with the interviews that we had. But I think all around, it was probably about 35 interviews total. So, so 35 people that we interviewed. Daniel, I, I remain struck by just how much material you were given then. Did you end up deciding to tell individual stories or to more go a route of, of having almost some composite characters? They're definitely composite characters uh, is what we decided to do. But we had to individualize. You know, in other words, it's the story focuses on one family. But as they interact with other characters, uh, we hear other stories, too. But I think to keep the uh, production focused and to, to have a cohesive narrative, I wanted to focus particularly on one family. And did and, you, you choose a country for this uh, family to be from? Yes, uh, in consult everything in consultation with uh, Falia and Dr. Siegel and Ramona and Syria will be the um, is where the family is from. There is a Syrian family. And Ramona, was there something about the Syrian stories in particular that that really made them um, uh, good for this drama? Well, I think that, and actually initially, and correct me, Flea, if I'm wrong, but when Dr. Segal had initially thought about this project, she wanted to interview only Syrian refugees. Mm. And then we all sort of talked about it and said, well, maybe it would be better if we're trying to get more of a sense of overall refugee experience and the, you know, the experience of resettlement to interview refugees from different countries. And so uh, Stacy actually interviewed most of the Syrian refugees that we spoke with. But I do think I like the fact that we interview people from different countries and especially getting the perspective of refugees from Bosnia who have been here, you know, possibly for a decade or two decades, and then mm -hmm. getting newly arrived refugees as well, you really get a, kind of a wide array of perspectives on that. So, Daniel, did you have to create a framing device where, uh, you know, hey, they're here at this event and all these different refugees keep showing up or, or was yeah, well, it something more organic? Not, yes, yes, that I had to create a framing device. But no, I didn't want it to be like everyone's together just talking about it. We had to make it uh, we had to make it real life. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the um, father from the Syrian family um, meets a, a, another refugee at random, uh, a, just a chance meeting at a bus stop. And, like, they recognize each other and go for coffee. And then the Congolese man talks a little bit about what he went through, knowing that he's talking to another refugee and that, it, you know, he can relate to his experience. Okay, that makes sense. And uh, Falia, you had mentioned earlier these several different types of puppets that you've worked with before, these hand puppets or things that are almost more like Muppets where people are inhabiting them. What kind of puppets did you settle on for this production? So we decided to do um, rod puppets. So I, um, I actually made the puppets. So they're sculpted out of the heads are actually sculpted out of, out of styrofoam. Mm and then paper macheed and then painted and then the bodies themselves are actually made out of wire and paper macheed as well and painted and then um, basically I used PVC piping to connect it all onto a dowel rod with wiring and then the puppeteers finished rigging them for me. So if people are kind of familiar with, uh, I don't know, Avenue Q or the Muppets, is there a, a sort of look that you would compare them to that you ended up going with? Um, we kind of lived with stylized realism, so they're not covered, like Avenue Q and like Muppets, they're covered with what's called like fun fur or fleece. Mm -hmm. And these have more of a stylized realism to them. 
Okay. So this their is, mouths are not going to move. It's their arms move and their heads move up and down or right to left. And is that that's what indicates when somebody's speaking is that their head is just in motion, not a flapping mouth. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Daniel, I understand you're also a puppeteer. You're going to be participating in this play. Does it present some challenges that this time of social distancing um, to have these puppets? Uh, certainly it does, but for, actually I'm directing and I uh, was a consultant and script writer, so I don't actually, I'm not actually a puppeteer. I have two excellent puppeteers, uh, Stan Gulick and Michelle O'Donnell Gulick, and uh, they are the puppeteers, and they're a married couple, so, and their son is helping with the uh, stage effects. Oh, so that's brilliant. Uh, They're already yeah, in a, so, a pod of germs. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't plan, of course, when we first conceived, when, when it was conceived and was executed and I came on, we didn't know we'd have this issue to deal with. But as it turns out, it was the perfect choice to have made. So, um, yes, I have to stand back six feet away from the stage while I'm directing. I put on the mask because they take off their masks, of course, mm-hmm. while they're performing. But uh, so we've we've made it work uh, even with all these challenges. So they're able to get close to each other. You just make sure you're not getting too close to them and and you haven't had any problems. Uh, You know, knock on wood, everyone's (laughs) been healthy. That's that is awesome to hear. Well, so um, these are the final days before this production. Uh, The first one is Thursday, November 12th. There's also one on Saturday, November 14th. Um, Falia, have you seen at this point a, a dress rehearsal of how all this is going? We're actually going to be doing that tonight. Oh, that's so exciting. Um, So tell us, I mean, now that you've got this play so close to its production, um, who's going to see it and what are you hoping that they'll get from it? So um, for the Thursday performance, which is at 1 p.m., that was to try to see if we could get some schools involved as well. And then the Saturday performance is in the evening. I'm hoping that we get uh, a varied amount of people, whether they're adults or children or students. Um, I really want people to see, um, or to not really see, to, to learn something new, to kind of look at themselves, to be intentional about the performance, to be reflective, mm-hmm. and be okay with the fact that you may not have known this or that you may have had prejudgments of refugees and now you can kind of self-reflect and go oh okay I didn't know that before and change your viewpoint a little bit. Mm -hmm. Ramona um, do we know if any of the families that you interviewed or any of the the people associated with them um, if they'll be able to tune in for either of these performances? Yeah, we have absolutely. We have started the process of reaching out to everybody, um, and then with because that's a very important component. I really kind of insisted and said, okay, we need to get feedback from the people that we interviewed, and we're going to send them a survey to fill out after they viewed the performance and ask them, you know, did this resonate with you? Do you feel like this reflected your experience? And we understand that because, as you mentioned, there is just so much footage, there's so much material that we recorded. We're hoping that um, that this can be used as an educational tool, not only with this script, but we hope that we can also use this to create tools going forward. But that's very important to get their feedback and make sure that this resonates with them and this reflects their experiences. Daniel, um, these refugees have trusted this project with their life stories, and I'm sure so, some intimate and painful details. How are you feeling um, knowing that, that you're going to be telling their story to this wider world? 
Good question, because um, I'm a little nervous about that, because I'm, I've had experience with trying to tell other people's stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, you want to make sure you get it right. And we certainly uh, welcome feedback. I want people, anyone, whether they be uh, a refugee or, you know, Muslim, Arab origin, should feel free to give us feedback. We want, that is one thing we've been saying from the beginning. We want to get this right. And I really have made every effort to do that. But I am not a refugee myself. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and thankfully, I had a lot of support from the team, uh, Dr. Siegel and uh, Ramona and Falia and others uh, in this process every step of the way. Well, puppeteer and director Daniel Romano, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. And Falia Davenport, associate professor at the University of Missouri-St. Louis, thank you. Thank you. And last but not least, Ramona Marshall, a research assistant with the Refugee Integration Project, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. And we want to let our listeners know there's a lot of information about this on our website. That's stlpublicradio.org, including a link so you can tune in. Um, This is free to watch on Zoom, but registration is required. Again, that's called We Came as Refugees, an American Story. There's performances at 1 p.m. on Thursday, November 12th, and 7 p.m. on Saturday, November 14th. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.